from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. All I want are a couple of tacos and the 44-ounce Mountain Dew, and now I can't get it. Tears of joy. Yes, a 50-year-old crying. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company on a Friday. Finley Toyota Studios. DeMond's helping us out today. Willie is here. Busy day, as I say, every single day. Although, I think we've gone like two days now, Willie, without unbelievable blockbuster news. Um, I didn't even check in on the Deshaun Watson press conference today with the Browns because I knew no matter what happened, it would be a freaking, it would be judged as a disaster by some. So we'll get to that a little later on. But uh, in terms of player movement or wacky trades or, you know, I don't know who would come out of retirement at this point, uh, you know. Jeff George coming out of retirement. <laughs> nothing, Peyton nothing. Manning. Yeah, or, or uh, you, know, you know, actually the, the best guy to come out of retirement now, though, would be shocking. Although his new team would be like, wait, now you're coming back? Would be Andrew Luck, who can still play, but doesn't want to play. You know, still in his early 30s. For the Houston Texans. That would be fantastic. He'd be in the same division. Well, I don't think the Colts would move him to that. Oh, is he still tied up? Yeah. Hey, he had. He still had. He probably had. Right. I bet you he had four or five years left on his deal. Mm, yeah. So they're not moving him to the Texans. Because remember, the Texans wouldn't even entertain Deshaun Watson to the Colts. So right, right, right. Now that, no, that's why now that you have a chance that. to turn around, the, I'm sure the the Colts would be like, absolutely not. Are you getting Andrew Luck? So what's going on, buddy? Nothing. It's You're just very quiet a, today. I'm not. I'm just. I'm focused. Your leg. Okay, I'm, that's I'm, the first I'm, thing. We got uh, we got lifting bros in here, and we got young lifting bro in Demon. We've got old lifting bro in you, and I keep seeing your knees iced up. I see some. What do you have? Like some pulsing thing on your leg? What the hell's going on with your leg? Like day six of rehab? Day six of week two, so three days a week for two. I got four total weeks before I can go get in the squat rack on my own. So I'm I'm at the at the rehab joint three days a week, seven a.m. Put me through some leg workouts. Basically, it's just going back to all all the fundamentals of Light, light stuff. It's it's really. Why would it, you squat anymore? You're you're you have a jacked up knee. You're I gonna come ja- back and squat again. Th- that's the reason it's jacked up. Right. So so, so stop all squatting. So, no 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 no. Because I haven't been. I oh, have you haven't. Not, been. I have so so your so, knees weak. So regular regular leg workouts, right? Built up muscle. Demond can attest to this. So you go through and you 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 put your, you put your muscles through this. Now the Raider season starts, the Golden Golden Knight season starts, long gone are two-hour workouts, and I'm rushing in getting a 45-minute workout in just to get the pump, but I'm not getting a full-blown, you know, dynamic stretch, then the compound movement, and then your accessory movements, then your cool down, you're just rushing in and out. So my muscles went into atrophy in my legs. But what did not stop was the hikes. Your muscles went into atrophy. Yeah. I don't do anything with my legs except walk and sit out, you know, move out of a chair. I don't know what to tell you. You have something degenerative, or you've destroyed it by lifting. Me, me not lifting actually makes me more healthy. Well, I, by going to, up to the mountains and hiking, and then continuing. Good point. The cardio, I forgot about the hiking. The 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 kneecaps, it's it's just a mess. What a so disaster. they have to get me back on flow as far as getting the muscles right, and then I can get back in squat rack and then start hitting three fifteen with them on. Uh, speaking of, is it what do you do? Reps at three fifteen. I build up, and that's my working weight. Are you? Do you at your age? Not to say you're old, but you are like mm-hmm. me. You don't. You never go now and like 
you know, I'm going to max out. Let me see what I can do today. No, you should never max out more than once every 12 weeks. Okay. Because I saw that uh, Anthony Rosas, who's one of the UNLV offensive linemen, UNLV has, I hope these guys can play because mm-hmm. uh, Rosas was a really high recruit uh, last year, right, mm-hmm. out of California. UNLV has a couple of, they, there's at least three that come to mind, and I'm probably insulting some of the offensive linemen. They have three offensive linemen. I've never seen dudes with legs this big. Like, it sounds creepy. I'm just sitting on the sidelines, and I'm like, oh, look at that, right? But you just, you you see these offensive linemen sometimes, you're like, Jesus, yeah. right? They have three dudes, and Rosas is one of them. He's just, you know, just the derriere, and the legs are gigantic. And he, he texted something, or he tweeted something out last week about some new record. Right, new PR in the squat, mm. and he was like, "Guess how much?" And someone, someone uh, wrote in three fifty, and everyone else was like, "Come on, three fifty! Yeah, I mean, people started going crazy. Well, was- he, I, you know what? I oh. didn't follow up. I didn't see. I have no idea. Like what? I don't. I have no how idea what. He? What would an average, you know, three hundred and twenty-five pound uh, offensive lineman be able to be able to squat over five hundred pounds? Five plates, Damon? No, I'm going to say maybe like in the sixes. That's what so I was thinking. Even higher. So that's these guys, plates. dude. You got to. There's, I'm telling you, there's there's three guys who are just it is ridiculous. Lamont, are you pushing four dishes in the squat rock? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, four oh five. Uh, I can rip that out at least three. I love this. Fatty talking lifting with the lifting bros. <laughs> <laughs> I lifted with Lamont. Remember the I one heard, day I, was, yeah. and he, I heard he called me out in the hallway. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? You're, we the, you're the one. You're taking on we, young competition. We went. You know. You know how they, they show at the combine. And one of them is two twenty five for reps. Right. That's Demont. He warms up. He just sits down and, and the it's chest just, is yeah. and just pop, 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 pop. Like yeah. the, the combine. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know. I am so old and out of shape. I think if I tried your like three fifteen once, I might just die on the spot. Just crumble. What do you think, Demont? He. Would be, I, 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 I don't. I, I would have no shot because I don't would, do anything now. To, he wouldn't be able to lift his arm to lift the. Yeah, microphone. I don't think. I don't think you get it out of the like. So you know, how, like you watch those comical videos, yeah. and the weight just collapses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he'd be able to get it out of the mm. out of the rack. Well, here's so a cool thing. Bet, I, save yourself there. We we can't ever settle bets because we never come up with agreements. I suppose if I at least walk a little bit for the next month, <laughs> and like ensure that and stretch. That, that that ensure that I don't die trying yeah. to do a squat. You do have a gym, so I actually could come in private and try. Could I do it at your gym? Sure. Like try three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. If I can, uh, if I can't no, that's, do, that's, you can't that's like jump, malpractice. That's, you can't just jump in and yeah. do three hundred. So what do I do? You start warm up with you, like you seventy five. Well, you <laughs> warm up. You'd warm, warm up, up with, with one fifteen. Warm up with ninety five. We throw two quarters on there. Oh, I'd have and, to build. And to then it. we build you to the one thirty five with a dish, and then and then you go to then you add another quarter. So you'd be at 185, then you try to go two dishes, which so, would be 225. And then I could deadlift where the bar's all bent, like 1,000 pounds? We have a deadlift. But you, at the Perfect Gym, is a, every bar is specific. There's a squat bar, there's a deadlift bar, there's a... All right, well, I'll sign a waiver. Oh, yeah. By the way, you know this will happen, because every physical challenge we talk about on the show happens never. We never do it. Yeah. We still haven't done the 40. No. Was that the 40 or the 100 with it you was, and Candy? Well, it was Candy, candy 40, and then I kept challenging, because I wasn't part of the company yet, so I kept getting ignored on Twitter when I challenged and said, hey, I'll race him, I'll race him, and nobody, so it never happened. Well, because like but everyone now the says, all shot, so like I just said, I, I might have to walk a little bit so I don't die before I do a squat, Yeah. Uh, but we, we talk about these things, and then in Candy's case, and this happened, same thing with Adam Hill, forget Ari, right? And then everyone's got all these, everyone's got all these qualifiers. Uh, you know, I need I need time before I do the forty because the initial forty talk was Brady a couple of years ago had run like a five three five at forty three years old, yeah. 
And Candy, you know, Candy's an official, so he has to run up and down the floor, Absolutely. and he also weighs 113 pounds. I've seen 6'2". Candy officiate. He's got to be able to move. He okay. Oh, but that doesn't mean. But that doesn't Candy's mean a great uh, basketball official. I, okay. I'll okay. That. All right. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can run, you know, a five two at forty something years no, old. No. What what it means for him, and I don't know about his speed, but what it definitely means for him is that his conditioning might be better than all three of us combined. Oh, he ha- it has to be because you're running the entire no, it, it, game. It, ha- it has to be his yeah. his you know his cardio has to be. There's no doubt. So that'll happen. Also, never. Actually, I, I think the squat. The, I, I could be motivated to do the squat. All right, we're just to see him. how just to see how weak I am. We're and, get uh, him in the gym and, and also see. Well, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to challenge you because you got you got a no, bad knee right now. No, it's not a challenge one on one. No, I don't want to get you all fired you're, up. You're and then challenging you're like, you know, yourself. All of a sudden, you know, I go in there and I, you know, it's like, oh, Cofield just did five hundred. Um, <laughs> and then Willie's like, now, I, now, I, wait, why is everyone laughing? And then and then Willie's like, oh my god, there's pressure. And then I blow out your knee because I'm, you know. Uh, Old man strong for some who knows if I am. I don't think I am. Well, there's one thing in my in, in I will say in, when it comes to the gym, I'm never I've already learned. The guy like Demond will know it doesn't matter who you're lifted with. You're never lifting against that guy. You're lifting against the previous time you're there. So I'll never be threatened or feel like when Demond and I went and lifted. I didn't try to keep up with him. It's more or less keeping up with what I can do, but the reps. So if we're doing three sets of ten of our working weight, and he's working with. 285 uh, or 275 bench press. I'm not trying to keep up with him. I'm trying to make sure I can do my reps at what I'm lifting. You, you see what's to... happening here, right? The weather got a little bit nice, and I'm like, I'm thinking about the pool. I'm like, am I going to fit in my swim shirt? Because I'm so fat, I have to wear a swim shirt now. Speaking of the I'm like, which... am I going to be all, you know, muffin top in my, in my swim shirt? Speaking of which, yes, I am not a fan. Someone who's been here since '72, I don't like the heat. I don't like the temperature rising. Let's get the air popping. I've, oh, I've well, already you, tr- have you you learned about. Right. Yeah, you keep it at icebox. Well, I'm fine with that. You like the icebox. I love you the like ice the icebox. Box. Well, when we first come in, um, I don't. Ed, Ed might be sick or something, but uh, Tyler's so skinny that I think <laughs> he can't stay warm. So they they're like they're like 80 in the studio in the morning. No, and then we come in and we haven't been in here. This is I mean I've been counting the shows since March 2020 of COVID. We do not come in here. We had to today. By the way, everyone in the area, how was your internet today? Thanks. Mm. Right? So that was a pain in the ass. So we had to come in today. This is like our 21st show in studio. So we haven't been in here. But generally, once it starts getting hot, it's a freaking hot box in here in the afternoon. Because the guy's having it at like 80 in the morning. And then Ari's like, Mr. Rogers, he's got a sweater on. You know, I turned it down to 70. He's like shivering. No, no, no. My house stays no matter what month it is. So if it's in the winter, I put the heat on, but it won't go higher than seventy-one. Yeah. If it's in the if it's in the summer, air stays on. It's got to be seventy-one. We don't. We're uh, we're both very. We we run hot in the the Cofield household. Yeah. We run hot, so the heat never goes above sixty-four. Wow. Um, and then, well, we got an old cooling system. You so. got a big house, though. I got a. Small it's not house. a big. It's not. It's not a big house. We have we have an old cooling system. We have an old cooling system, so it, we have to turn that thing friggin' low. So the bills are Speaking coming. Speaking of your house. Keep piling on, everybody, with the gas prices. Speaking of your <laughs> Repairs, house. Repairs. AC. Everyone's got to run their AC this weekend. It's supposed to be 90 tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm ready. I frig the, the, the cold weather. Um, the other night, the uh, late night podcast with Dan. Uh-huh. The backdrop looked cool with the little basketball court thing you had going on. I know what it was. but I mean, was- I have seven basements. You know that. Yeah. I went through all the caliche years ago and put in seven different basements. Kind of like, or I have a green screen and lots of background. Kind of like you and Mordecai. You know Mordecai the jeweler. He he had a replica of the Thomas and Mac basketball court in his basement. For real though, for not real, not on a green screen. For real, real. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't sell jewelry. I just do radio. It's different. Yeah, every one of those basements I put up there, I'm like, oh my God, imagine if I had one of these. But you can you really have a basement here? A few places you can, but anymore? Come on. Come on. All right, so Sweet 16 is coming up. We're on early. So I know right now people are like, where's where's Canty? He's not, he's not on. We, we're taking over. ESPN Las Vegas, Sweet 16 is coming up. We'll start breaking down the games. We'll break down what happened yesterday. So coming up early on this station is uh, St. Pete's against Purdue. I mean, I think everyone's rooting for St. Peter's. Screw Purdue out of the Big Ten. And then uh, Providence and Kansas, and everyone's got to be rooting for Providence. Screw Kansas, right? Down with the evil empires of college basketball. And we saw that happen last night. We'll get to what happened to Gonzaga. Boy, Mark Few. Might be time to get rid of that guy. A lot of people were saying that last night. Also, I think Willie's going to like this. They were questioning the street cred, saying that Gonzaga players are all soft. All soft. They all had two parents. What? So now Gonzaga is soft. That's coming up right around the corner as we uh, go until 4 o'clock right here on Cofield and Company. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. So I can tell you already, next week, uh, casuals are going to bitch and moan. A lot of sports talk hosts are going to complain. A lot of the talking heads who are columnists and writers who don't watch college basketball until you know these four weeks are going to complain about the Final Four. Because it's going to be a mess now that all the ones are dumping out. And casual basketball fans barely know the ones, right? So they're not going to know freaking... You know, Houston, Miami, Iowa State, St. You know, Peter's, even Purdue. Uh, so next week there's going to be a lot of complaints, and and the ratings aren't going to be good, but the story is going to be tremendous. And what I like about what's happening in the tournament, and my bracket's destroyed because I went with chalk, I went with three ones and a four. But what I like is this is actually very representative of how college basketball has been the last few years, and we say every year the tournament's going to be crazy and the ones are going to get knocked out, and then it doesn't happen. This year it has happened, and we've also found out there's some stories that we've been ignoring. So I'm going to get to Houston at different points in the show because I think it's a tremendous story, and if you remember, I think you and I did the show on Monday when we talked about the USA Today story that said, the tournament needs a villain, and Duke is the villain. Right. And then I listed all 16 teams in the Sweet 16 and said, I hate 14 of the 16 teams in some form or fashion. Yeah. I don't need villains. Right. I, don't, I don't like fan bases. I don't like certain coaches. I don't like stories that go back for me 30 years. Like, I hold grudges. So, like, I, I don't need a villain. Again, the casual fan probably does need Duke. But I'll tell you, one of the teams I said I would root for the two that I would root for, one of them was Houston because I think it's a tremendous story. But let's go to the story last night. Arizona is a story, and we'll get to that. But Gonzaga is the story. No doubt. No doubt. And the flood of Mark Few sucks, and Gonzaga doesn't play anyone, and their players are pansies. That was the narrative. After the game, into the morning. And it's unfortunate because there's now – Two of those three is very unfortunate. I'm not going to say Mark Few sucks, but I do question his scheme at this point of the season. 22 years and no national championship! Which, by the way, there are coaches who coach for 
35 and 40 years who went 0 for you know 40. They didn't make the tournament every year, but 0 for 22. And oh. he's been at one so often. Where's the national title? And then the other one I saw was, if if this were Duke or Kansas, or they'd be getting ripped left and right. They were getting ripped left and right. They they're they are ripped like they are a blue blood. They are exactly. And here's the thing: Gonzaga has just recently, and I say recently, meaning I don't mean like in the last couple of years. I'm saying in this era of college basketball has really stormed the college basketball scene. So. What I'm about to say, somewhat, is it's going to be like, well, wait a minute, because if you look at the history, these blue bloods have, you know, they've they've won their share of national championships, they've been to Final Fours, but they've also been powerhouses for that long, where Gonzaga mm-hmm. has not been. Right. Gonzaga has been to two of the last four Final Fours, I want to say, two of the last four national championships. Is that correct? Seventeen and twenty, or seventeen and twenty-one. So, no, two of the last four because there was no tournament in 20. Okay? Kansas has been to one Final Four since 2012. Kentucky has been to zero since 2016. North Carolina, zero since 2018. And Duke has not been to a Final Four since 2015. They've been to zero since 2016. So, in Gonzaga's era... Those four teams I've mentioned, Kansas, Kentucky, UNC, Duke, in Gonzaga's era since basically 2012, those four Blue Bloods have been to one combined Final Four. Gonzaga's been to two national championship games. We have talked about twice on this show. I have brought it up. Um, We had uh, P.J. Carlissimo on. We threw it his way. He had never heard of this comparison, but that Gonzaga is this era's UNLV. UNLV, it took three Final Fours before Jerry Tarkanian won his national championship. Yeah. They've been to best, four. Best teams emerged in the late 70s. It took until the early 90s to win one. PCAA, the Big West, the Pacific Coast Athletic Association, and the Big West. They eventually got their non-conference where, where UNLV would, event, would, would occasionally play Oklahoma. They had a relationship with Billy Tug, played Georgetown, had a relationship with John Thompson. Then they started expanding, and they went to the preseason NIT, and then they started playing the non-conference teams. Look at Gonzaga's body of work this year. They played Duke. They played UCLA. They played Texas Tech. They played Texas. They played a non-conference schedule. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault that they're in the West Coast Conference. It's virtually the Gonzaga run, while shorter, a little bit shorter than, if we say, you know, the the real national championship level run by Tark was... You know, 76, 77 into the early 90s. Gonzaga is a little short of that. I, I'd say Gonzaga has been, you know, at this at this level for 10 or 12 years now. But the story is virtually identical coming from a mid-major to small conference, making sure that you play non-con, you know, four or five really good games. And it took Tark. You know, thirteen or fourteen years from from the real elite teams in the late seventies to get his national title. And by the way, if there's anyone out there who's scoffing, like, but UNLV and Tark, but what? What are we talking about? Recruiting? Gonzaga is the same. Yeah, I talk all the time. When you're a blue blood or you're an outsider and you become a blue blood, you have resources. And you use your resources just like Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky, and you can go back to Jim Calhoun's UConn days. 
Gonzaga is the same. So there is some pressure on Mark Few. I'm not going to say he sucks, but what I will not sit here and listen to is, well, it's the conference. It's the West Coast Conference. They're not ready come tourney time. Well, why was UNLV ready eventually? Because these are one-off spots. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. Tark had his share of heartbreaking losses. Awesome teams along the way. Then they had a friggin' juggernaut. You know, late 80s into the 90s. They broke through. I mean, what would you say Gonzaga's Tark, Tark, Tark and UNLV lost one of the bigger upsets in the history of college basketball. It was one of the greatest teams in the history of college basketball. Now, we don't hammer him because he had won. Because he got his championship. Right. And few is in the same position. Now, if this goes on, if they're a 30-win program for the next 10 years, and they're a one seed, you know, five of the 10 years, and they continue to come up short in spite of having multiple NBA draft picks on the roster, always getting top 40 guys, in the case of Chet Holmgren, arguably getting the number one guy, if this happens for another seven or 10 years, then we've got a big problem. But the criticism last night is from people who don't watch college basketball, really don't watch, and I'm not saying, like, part of that is not knowing the stories, but also not actually watching games and having a respect for, say, what Arkansas has and who Musselman is. You know, these games are not easy, and that's why, you know, Dean Smith doesn't have nine titles. Coach K is not at 11 titles. You know, Bill Self hasn't won seven. Calipari doesn't have eight. Like, there's a lot of competition, and that next level down from the elite, say, like, eight programs, the next 15 at any given time are a giant pain in the ass, and they can get you. And I'm not going to buy into, um, as you said, like the West Coast Conference and the fact that Arkansas played a non-conference schedule and then a rugged SEC schedule. What I am going to buy into is that, as you've seen, when Gonzaga lost to North Carolina, in the national championship, when Gonzaga lost to Baylor in the national championship, and last time when lost to Arkansas, these teams have basically done the same thing, and that is the problem that I tend to have with Mark Few is that they run the same. They they, they he won't run as deep as he should when it comes crunch time. It comes to the to big to the bigger games. Yeah, there were a lot of shots taken, you know, through his top four scorers last night. But you still are running your main component and your main times um, when it comes time to make a run, if you're down, through the same guys. So they're going to defend that. They're going to play physical against your guys. It doesn't mean that Gonzaga's soft. It just means that you're going to go against a physical team. So you saw that's what Baylor did last year. And I'll be straight up honest with you. Last year, I was the only one, along with Jason Ortz, uh, from the RJ, who's no longer at the RJ. Well, no, he's a prep editor of the RJ, excuse me. Uh, we sat there with the only ones in the arena covering Baylor when they needed a place that they came here. And Baylor and, and Gonzaga were supposed to meet a couple weeks later in Indianapolis. But Gonzaga had COVID mm-hmm. down in Florida, and then they had some cancellations. But I had said, and Jason and I looked at each other and said, man, this Baylor team will beat Gonzaga. 
And that was then in December. When they're, they're going to go to Indianapolis, they're going to beat Gonzaga because they were experienced. They were older. Mark Few's also got a, a young bunch. Like, all those guys can come back. Chad Holmgren, yes, he could be a lottery pick, but he could come back. Timmy can come back. Strother can come back. Namhart, all these guys can come back. It's a young team. So when they go up against experienced players, they're going to play physical, and they're watching game film. You think these guys didn't watch last year's Baylor win? That's what they're looking at is how to get in these guys' grill and 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 beat them down because what Few does is he's got his players set to play hero ball. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Every day, every game seems to get crazier in terms of storylines for the Vegas Golden Knights. So yesterday, I mean, it's must-win time, right? It's down the stretch here. You got to get right. Blowout victory. Destroy Nash Vegas. Now, that was part of the story. We could break down the game. Injuries are another part of the story, but daddy being back is the story. How crazy has this week been? Oh, it's been been insane. And I'll tell you what, we... um, we asked DeBoer at Morning Skate yesterday just in ge- what he expects, how he expects the response, and he said that because he, he, he's got experience with him from when in Florida when he was a young guy, young player, and he said now as a mature veteran, he said if there's anybody that could withstand what, went, what, what took place in those 48 hours, it's Evgeny Dadnoff. And he firmly believed that he would be, you know, he would step on the ice without a beat. All the players welcomed him back. And so, sure enough, DeBoer puts him in the starting lineup. 18 plus, go nuts. And they came out fire. They came out looking like, you know, Mark Stone, who? Max Pacioretty, who? We got this, guys. While you're up there in the press box, we got it covered. And they looked, when they came home, off the previous uh, five-game road losing streak and played well at home, they looked better last night in in this one. And now they're on a home winning streak. So now that, if you remember, which I asked Chandler Stevenson today, you know, earlier this season it was, wow, what's going on? Team Mobile used to be tough for the visitors to come into. Golden Knights are playing better on the road than they are at home. Now they're on an extended road losing streak. They've lost seven in a row. I believe they won five in a row at home. So tomorrow they got the matinee. But yeah, it was uh, the electricity was on high last night, mainly for Evgeny Dadnoff to start. And then with each goal, uh, it just furthered. And then there was a really scary moment in the in the first period. So that sort of further fueled the fire every time Philip Forsberg hit the ice, took a shot, did anything. So there was a lot of emotions running through T-Mobile last night. Supportive, though, right? Oh, all supportive. All supportive. Have to be at this point. Absolutely. If you're good fans, you got to back your team. They need it. And it, the injuries are, are are a legit reason as to why they haven't been great lately. And I, you know, I'm not going to use the word excuse because it's it's factual. They have injuries. The mounting. I mean, yesterday we were at, like I said, a morning skate, and DeBoer said that. He was hopeful because Pacioretty looked good in morning skate, and but he would be a game-time decision. Last night, 
didn't come out onto the ice. Today, DeBoer says Pacioretty's had a setback. He won't be available for the near future. Strange. Maybe not. No details? I laugh every time we do that. The the details that came out of today, I will say this. For all the injuries that we've heard about, that we've talked about, uh, the injury update today when it had to do with Brett Howden, at least that was a positive thing today. Um, So last night, first period, Brett Howden and Philip Forsberg are battling for a puck. Uh, Howden falls off. Balance goes down, and Forsberg is falling off balance as well toward him, both in a forward motion, and it appeared like he shoved him, but I think that he was falling in the same direction, and Howden went face first. I mean, and they're going, you know, they're going for it pretty fast, 15, 20, 25 miles per hour. Face first, neck just crunches. I mean, to watch it was just gut-wrenching, and very scary moment as he just kind of laid there still, they immediately call for the stretcher. Um, medical team came out, and he was, you know, stretchered off. Of him. He did raise his hand, his arm up. Uh, crowd gave him a roar, and um, so it was scary. We got we got an update in the press box uh, throughout the game at one point, just saying that you know he's in stable condition. He's at a facility taking more tests, but he has. And then after the game, Peter DeBoer said that he has he had movement his extremities. And today, uh, he uh, DeBoer updated saying that he was in the facility and nothing broken, but he will be out for a while. So, from from, a, from an injury standpoint, or all the injuries we have to hear, hear about, that was the one we wanted to hear something positive. And even though he's going to be out for a while, the positive part is that he's going to be okay and his career will go on. Coming up, let's get back to the uh, big stories around the NFL. And that was a massive week for wide receivers. One of them comes here in Devontae Adams. And, of course, Tyreek Hill goes from Kansas City out of the division down to Miami. And we'll talk to a former defensive back, one of our NFL insiders. Mark McMillan is up on Cofield & Company. Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Big week for wide receivers. Man, defensive backs make a lot of money, but wide receivers, this is crazy. Breaking the bank, the ceiling, busted open. Started a couple weeks ago with Christian Kirk, and then a lot of the other receivers were looking around like, that guy is not that good. I'm awesome. I want my money. Devontae Adams lands here in Vegas. And in a shocker for many, Tyreek Hill off to Miami from Kansas City. Mark McMillan. Had to go against guys like this throughout his career with the Eagles and the Chiefs and several other teams, and he joins us from Arizona. I think fresh off the lake. Was that yesterday? What's up, Mark? That was yesterday, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was good to be on the lake, man, fishing out there with my guy. He's a pro angler, mm-hmm. Ron Johnson, so we are able to catch some crappy and some largemouth bass. But nothing like these receivers are catching. <laughs> they, are catching they are catching Brinks trucks full of money nowadays. Okay, wait a minute, Grill and McMillan. Before we get on to the receivers, let's go back for a minute. I have not heard crappies since I lived in Minnesota, and we used to catch the limit, bring it back, skin them, clean them, and make. I used to make crappie burgers with them. What's the limit out there where you're what? at uh, on on the lake uh, to catch crappies? That's that's old school for me. Yeah, when I when I tweeted out that picture, everybody responded back. It's like, where did you catch catch crappie at? And we caught about 25 crappie yesterday that my guy 
filleted right there on the spot. Yep. They're in the refrigerator, on ice, and ready to be fried tonight. It is going to be a crappy fish fry with Grilla McMillan. You know, I'll tell you where I did. We'll get on to the receivers. I, and you'll be able to name this. You should be able to name this lake now, Mark. I <laughs> caught crappies ice fishing where you purify yourself from the movie Purple Rain. What was that lake? Do you remember? Is it the Minnetonka? Is it That's Lake it. Lake? That's it. Lake wow. Minnetonka. Come on. Come on, man. Purple <laughs> rain. Purple rain. All right. I'll let Prince handle that. All right, Mark. Let's talk about the receivers. Let's start this way. Um, Devontae Adams now with the Raiders. Tyreek Hill now with the Dolphins. As a former defensive back, who would be a harder guy to cover for you, Adams or Tyreek? I would say um, Tyreek because he can match my quickness. Um, you know, his side-to-side movement is pretty much the same as mine. Uh, you know, people thought I uh, would say Jerry Rice or Michael Irvin would be one of the toughest guys I have to face. But Gary Clark was my toughest guy to have to face from the Redskins, who was, you know, strong, very athletic, and very quick. So, you know, Devontae Adams is not the, not the quickest receiver as to Tyreek Hill, and I would say Tyreek Hill will be probably be the tougher matchup for me because he can match my quickness. But both of these guys are premier receivers. And it, I'm intrigued in, in you and in you saying that because I was listening earlier, uh, earlier this morning to Keyshawn, and he was explaining the difference between the two in 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 somewhat the same in that Devontae is a big, powerful guy, but he's a very traditional receiver. So while yes, he he gets yep. those yards and he's very good at what he does, and he's largely considered as the, the most productive receiver, Tyreek is dangerous because of what he can create. And because they were talking about who's made who, who, which quarterback could struggle more without their, you know, their key receiver. And he, they were, he was arguing Mahomes because of what Tyreek can create. Whereas Devontae's a traditional receiver. And you may not find another Devontae Adams, but you can find another traditional receiver. Yeah, that, that's rare that you can find a Tyreek here with that much quickness. And explosive, uh, you know, like Keyshawn was one of a guy that I had to guard. You know, I I didn't have real real big trouble with him because I can match his quickness, and I was quicker than him. Uh, but you know, you know, Tyreek is, is a special breed, man. He's he's a special young man. But Devontae Adams, like you said, he's a he's a traditional receiver. He's not going to come out of his breaks really fast, but he's a good route runner, and he's going to bring a lot to the table because he can create a little separation. But if he can get his hands on the ball anywhere in his area. That young man can come down with it. And if you go back to look at Chris Carter's career, he was effective on the outside. But once he moved into the slot, uh, when they had Jake Reed and Randy Moss on the outside, Chris Carter made, became that much more effective hmm. inside the slot because he wasn't quick enough on the outside later in his years to get in that separation. How did the Dolphins get Tyreek Hill you know, chief-like production with man. Tua and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback? I, I don't know how that trade came about. Uh, I was excited thinking that he was going to resign with the Chiefs, you know, after, you know, some of these receivers got paid. I was looking at the Christian Kirk deal, and I'm like, wow, he really hit the jackpot after just having, you know, uh, uh, average years here uh, with the Cardinals. But, you know, I'm all for that young man to get paid. I've been knowing this kid and following him since high school here, uh, Saloa High School. But Miami, I, I would say they hit the big splash, man. When you can get Tyreek Hill, and you got Waddle on the, on the outside or in the slot, they're going to create a lot of mismatch 
for teams uh, over the next couple of years. So on the quarterbacks, how do they make it work with Tua, who to this point hasn't been great, maybe Teddy Bridgewater has to play. Can those guys maximize? I think they can maximize whatever they have to do. Uh, if it's a short route, like these guys can take a hitch route or a slant route to the house. You know, a lot of people talk about Tua's on strip. I can't get the ball downfield. But they also have to give him blocking as well. You know, I know people look at this and say, well, Tua can't get the ball downfield. Well, Tua was running for his life. Half the time he dropped back, but you know Teddy Bridgewater is, is an experienced quarterback uh, who's not going to turn the ball over. So this is a great situation for the Miami Dolphins. And if I was a defensive back and I had to play against Waddle and Tyreek Hill, man, I'm stretching my hamstrings out. I'm doing yoga all week. Mark McMillan, our football insider with us, former defensive back in the National Football League. So you don't think the Raiders or the Dolphins are paying Tyreek Hill? And uh, Adams, respectively, too much money. I don't think they're paying paying enough. You know, that's just the way the market is. You know, you look at these quarterbacks and the money that they're making, but they also have targets that they have to get the ball to. And if you look at it, it's almost like Aaron Rodgers got Devontae Adams paid and Devontae Adams got Aaron Rodgers paid. You know, Patrick Mahomes got paid big-time money, and Tyreek was his main guy. And, you know, the, the, the Chiefs wasn't willing to pay that amount of money, so... You know, it, it is what it is, and, you know, I'm excited for these guys to get it. Obviously, you know, as a former player, you got to get all the money that you can because once this, once that contract is over, and these guys probably won't even live through that contract, you know, play through that contract. Yep. So all the money they get up front, they got to put that in the bank and just go with it. Well, and Tyreek Hill wasn't paid at, you know, the highest level he could have been because of some of the stuff off of the field. So now he's in a position at 28. Right. It's like, i got to make my money because he could slow down. He's a smaller guy. Uh, you know, he, he could start breaking down uh, at whatever, 30, 31 years old. Uh, Mark yep. McMillan is with us, a former NFL player. Of course, Grillin McMillan up on uh, both uh, Twitter and online. You can grab spices. What else do you have aside from the spices right now? I know, um, did you just cut a deal in Arizona to get the spices out there? <laughs> uh, you know, brick and mortar, I, not just online? I did, man. I just struck a deal actually for a restaurant. It's called Corner, uh, Corner Pub. That's located in Philadelphia. That's going to carry my spices and barbecue sauce, and they're going to name their wings after my spices. Nice. And I just launched a real big deal with Ace Hardware here in Arizona that my spices are going to be in four stores that you will not only be able to get it online, but you can actually go in the store at Ace Hardware and pick up my Grillin' McMillan spices. That's the big news I have for everybody. All right, Mark. Well, when you have time you and i got to get together here in vegas because as steve knows and he can attest to this oh, now we have we've competition with no, spices no, no it's not a competition because mark, mark always thinks when you bring something up as competition i'm not trying to compete with no it, it, when it comes to rubs and spices now my son owns a private facility trading facility we have low uh msg uh all quality no filler seasonings, but we call them all-in-one seasoning. We have a barbecue, we have a Cajun, we have a lemon, we have a herb, we have a pizza blend. Uh, we have a factory that, that makes them up here. Um, so we got to get together. Awesome. I got to get some in your hands. They're, it's the perfect seasonings, P-E-R-F-I-C-T. So uh, I would okay. love to get some into your hands and then try some of your rubs as well. The Grillin' McMillan. Uh, and like I said, Steve's favorite one out of ours is, I believe, the pizza blend. They're all good. The Cajun's good. I think I'm going to do some Cajun on some chicken this weekend. So 
Although I might do breast, I might, get, I might get yelled at that it's not thighs. Don't brag too much because Mark will get mad now. He'll get, I don't want him to get jealous. Okay. Oh no, no, no! I'm all, I'm all about helping everybody else. I mean, I didn't get I didn't get this far, you know, without a lot of people supporting. You know, I'm just launching my coffee steak rub that will be on Ooh. on shelves in two weeks. So we just got that uh, FDA approved, so that'll be coming out soon. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm pumped up, and actually, you know, the NFL alumni is having a golf tournament three days in Vegas, uh, the 27th, 28th, and 29th. Uh, that my spices will be featured nice. inside Goodie Bag, and I'll be on a whole Grilling McMillan for my NFL alumni buddy. So you guys got to come out and try it, man. I'm telling you, Grilling McMillan is taking off, and my man Steve Cofield has been there from day one. So that's during the during the draft. During the draft, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. Coincides yeah, I'm with... not playing around. I'm not playing around here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing around here, buddy. Um, all right. Back to uh, the one last thing about Tyreek Hill. Let's talk about the other side and the Chiefs deciding not to pay him. Are you willing to say the Chiefs are not going to finish in first? Will you dump them down the prediction poll in the AFC West? Um, it's still hard to say that. You know, when you have Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, they just picked up Juju Smith, which is a good pickup for those guys. Um, you know, you still have Kelsey. Um, they're, they're have, they get they get opportunity to get some picks, so they get a chance to get some depth. Uh, you need depth in the, in the National Football League, especially on the defensive side. Uh, I would say, you know, I would still say the Chiefs are the favorite. Obviously, the Chargers have made some really good moves on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the Raiders was dragging their feet at the beginning, but they made a huge splash in getting Chandler Jones, uh, who's only going to make Max that much better on the outside. Uh, they just need, still need to get solidify that defensive backfield and the linebacker position, and I think the Raiders will be right there. Mark, I heard an interesting comment about Hunter Renfro with Devontae Adams coming here, where last year, obviously, we saw Hunter catch over 100 uh, passes, right, holding 100-plus catches. But this year, with Devontae coming in, whereas Hunter may, let's say, grab 50 to 60, those 50 to 60 may be quality, higher percentage. Let's say 40 of the 50 or 60 will be higher percentage than... 60 to 70 of the 100 he caught. Can you yeah, elaborate he's on gonna that? Move the chain. Uh, he's going to move the chains. He's just going to uh, demand that much attention. Uh, you know, with a healthy uh, Waller, uh, you know, playing as well. You know, he was in and out of the lineup last year, which hurt the offense. But when you have, you know, a Waller, you have a Renfro, you have a Devontae Adams, uh, you know, you have a healthy running game, you know, they need to solidify that, that, that offensive line. You know, I know he, they have a lot of explosive weapons on the outside in the backfield, but... You know, they still got to solidify that offensive line and give Derek Carr an opportunity to sit back and not just be running for his life all the time looking for the open receiver. Mark, we appreciate the time. Get back to uh, some fishing. You doing any more fishing, or was it a one-day thing? Uh, it was a one-day thing, man. It was a great opportunity for me to get out there, man, just turn my phone off and have fun. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back out there on, on the lake and throwing down on some crappie and some largemouth bass, baby. And I'm going to put some of that Gorilla McNeil spices on them. Ooh, wait. <laughs> See you, Mark. I appreciate it, guys. There he is, Mark McMillan. Former defensive back with the uh, Eagles and the Chiefs and the Saints and the Niners and back then, the Redskins. All right, competition's on. Now i got a sample of both. I like it. I'm, gonna, I'm ready. GorillaMcMillan.com is where you're going to get his spices and all the other stuff he's, uh, he's selling. He's got some meat packs up there as well. Oh, I'll hook up with them because I'll be covering the draft. I'll be out and about town. I'll have some seasonings. Jordan may make me buy them from the gym. Really? He charges that? He's a businessman. Uh, no freebies. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
cutthroat. Well, we heard about, uh, you know, you kind of policing the kid last week, so. Yeah. Sweet revenge. <laughs> yes. Pay for product, Dad. Tough luck. Coming up, let's uh, get back into Devontae Adams a little more. And uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to Willie and what his impressions were of Adams making the rounds with the media and up on uh, Raiders.com with a lot of the uh, Raiders media people. See if he was as impressed as everyone else was uh, with the intro to Devontae Adams. 